Stephen Kenny must have been thinking, yeah, 2-0 up, 69th minute, a decent performance against Scotland at the weekend. This will keep the press off me back. Then boom, two minutes later, we're all in a daze. The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff International Special in a week where our under 21's hearts were broken in Israel. Stephen Ireland, Stephen Ireland, Stephen Kenny is back under pressure with all the ex-pros crawling out of trees to take a dig at the Irish manager and the Euro 2024 draw is only a matter of days away. My name's Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle, Dave Bugle, and Neil Dobbs from thebigkickoff.com. And Dave, if you're Stephen Kenny sitting at home with a cup of tea in his favourite chair, what's going through your mind? Ah, oh, can't catch a break uh, in, in, in the sense of even just one little uh, stint over a weekend. Look, decent performance on Saturday. Last night was, it's a t- it was a typical Tuesday night for 69 minutes. The Tuesday night games are always a bit weird, a bit subdued. Lads have their weekend. They're starting to think about the weekend again. A lot of our players do struggle with their teams and struggle to get in. And, you know, they're probably thinking, I really need to get back and try and fight it. Like, you know, they, they, they you know. They're humans and they're always a bit funny. And then there was just that two minutes of madness. And then it just, everything went out the window again. And another night of drama that he didn't need and not a good night of drama. But uh, yeah, I just, like, look, I've I've watched enough and heard enough even over the last 24 hours. You're either on one side or the other. There's very little in the middle anymore. And you're not going to change your mind. If you're anti him, you're going to stay that way. And if you're pro Kenny, you're pretty much going to, there's not too much switching around now at this stage. Some people might come into the middle, but they'll be in the rarity. But for him, those two minutes of madness, which I wouldn't necessarily put the blame on him for it, kind of has cost him maybe a, a stay of a, a stay of execution for another few weeks until the next campaign, because obviously the debate is going to re- re- uh, continue on as per usual. Yeah, Neil, you were at the game, as was Dave. What was the atmosphere like? How was it when it changed? To, this is the Armenia game, obviously. How was the atmosphere when the t- game turned on its head? Yeah, well, me and Dave were there because we're Patriots, Roy. That's why Nathan wasn't there. Like, let's bet that out in the over. <laughs> yeah. No, we yeah. watching the, uh, the, the, the big in Germany game, boys. You know yourselves. <laughs> That's even worse. That's even worse. Um, you know what it is, Roy? I brought a couple of kids off my football team into the game, and it was good for first half was okay. We, they were playing kind of away from us. We were in the upper left corner. Uh, second half then came out, and Ireland were just in absolute total control of this game. It was actually getting boring. And there was no, the atmosphere kind of seeped out of the stadium. They got the second goal. Everything was going to plan. Like Armenia were really, really poor. And everyone was kind of going, wow, these are so bad. They've no, they were playing five across the back for the guts of that game up until they got two sent off. So everything was just going to plan. Everything was great. But my God, that two to three minutes of madness changed it all on its head. It got everyone up in arms. It actually made a really, really thrilling finale to it. And then for anyone that hasn't been in a, a stadium before and actually feel the VAR scenario go on, it's so different than watching on the telly. And the referee took his moments, did his pause, did his big box, and then bam, penalty saved the day. But there was, for me, it was an overwhelming sense of we really got out of jail. And it was something that if he had a draw on that game, it, it, completely different conversation tonight, you know? 
Yeah, Nathan, there was a lot of people. Do you think it was an opportunity for a lot of people when those two goals went in and no matter what way that game ended, Ireland obviously won, so it ended the best way possible for Stephen Kenny, but they were nearly delighted to jump on top and attack. Yeah, it's a strange one, isn't it? Because we were saying, obviously, coming out of the Scotland game, uh, it was a good performance, wasn't the result we wanted. Flipping on the head then for Armenia, the result we wanted, but a bad performance. So it's sort of... What do you want over it's uh I think there was I think like the Dave says it's you're splitting the two camps now at this stage. And it's probably an interesting point to bring up because even though I'm not a patriotic y'all know I'm a bit of a, a League of Ireland fanboy, I think that's safe to say in. now. <laughs> do you think there is a bit of a bit of a bias with Stephen Can I get League of Ireland sort of bias because we see him from the moment they got the job that that was something that a lot of people have really given against him that he hasn't been proven. It was kind of not the so-called top level, whether that be in the championship in England or even in the Premier League and things like that. People are holding his time in Scotland to, to him at that stage. So do you think that's starting to really come into fruition now that no matter what Stephen Kenny does, that's always going to be held over his head? That The League of Ireland's negative or League of Ireland haters that didn't want him there in the fourth place are really starting to show now. And like regardless, like I still stick me going. I think that he has to stay out this the upcoming year 2024 campaign. He goes what to, till the end of that end of year 2024 on his contract anyway. So I think he's gonna to have to see it out. But I think yeah, yeah, we really are starting to see that the people that didn't want him there in the first place that they're gonna be shouting the loudest now. Yeah, I think that people didn't want them there in the first place and are waiting for every moment. As I said, crawling out the tree is at every moment that something goes wrong. And in all fairness, there's been quite a bit that has gone wrong through it, but it has been a transition time uh, period. But Dave, Damien Delaney was on uh, spouting off again. Uh, he seems to have had a, a good week of it. The, he says the Euro 2024 qualifiers look like they'll decide Stephen Kenny's future. He's two years in the job. And when you look at his track record, what is it? Lost the playoff, finished second bottom in the First Nations League. Bulgaria had two points, we had three. Out of the World Cup very, very early. Finished third in the group and very nearly finished fourth, but managed to get away with it. Now we finished second bottom. When you look at it, it's not really a very good record, is it? No, but this is how messed up it is. Technically, we have a playoff spot already for the next Euro qualifiers, so... I don't know how you can put your head around. So he's no different to pretty much every other manager over the last 20 years without the qualifying cam- campaign even starting. Um, Delaney, whatever. I'm not even going to, I'm not going to give him any oxygen. Like, I, like he, he's obviously out to get him. I found very little constructive. He just wanted to, in my opinion, stick the, stick the knife in, end the story and, uh, you know, and, and leave him at it, you know, uh, let him, let him talk all he wants, but I, I've no interest. Look, you know, I like watching Ireland again. I'm not happy with some of the results without a shout of a doubt, but I enjoy watching Ireland. Like what we're doing is not much different than we probably would have been doing anyway, no matter who. Um, I'm not going to harp back onto it, but there was times where when Ireland were positive uh, under O'Neill, we were doing well. And then once he started putting the shackles on again, we fell over the line in the last minute against Wales to make a playoff when he started to play the negative football again. So, you know, Kenny's trying to play positive football, let him at it, but he's playing with a, an up-and-coming emerging squad, and there's probably one or two more going to come up from the under-21s, which no doubt we'll talk about in a while. So the, the top two qualify, and obviously being in pot three is a bit of a disappointment. It would have been lovely if we had nicked it into pot two and made the draw a bit easier. But, um, you know, qualifying for Euros, no disrespect, it's not as impressive as we think. It's quite 
easy to get in if you're a half decent side. So what Trap or O'Neill did, fair play, and we were delighted to be there. But let's be honest, it's well within Kenny's capabilities if he can kind of somehow garner momentum and get a bit of a lucky draw. So like, should he go if he doesn't? Oh yeah, I think so without a doubt. He's had four years then, and he's had his time. He's had two qualified campaigns. He's had two nation leagues. Uh, he already kind of has his playoff spot now. And getting to a Euros, not sh- not should be the bare minimum. But if there's 24 teams, I'd like to think we're in the top 24 in Europe. No disrespect to other teams, but we should be there thereabouts. And if we struggle to get in, or well, put it no, there's no struggle. But if we don't get in, he shouldn't be in it. And n- n- nor should any manager. I think we should do it after every Euros. And if no one makes it, well, then you have another four years. And if the next person doesn't get the Euros off, you go next. Because whatever about the World Cup, what is it, 13, 14 teams for Europe? That's bloody hard, considering where Ireland are at the moment. But the Euros is very realistic. So for me, yeah, here's your next campaign, but qualify or bust. Yeah. I think for me, regardless of what does happen, I think Stephen Kenny and the, the, the era of Stephen Kenny should be the blueprint of what we want going forward in an Irish team in terms of style of play. Like, it, I'd like to said, I think you should see out the, the qualifying campaign. It break me hard to see them not qualify, but then especially it double break me hard that they didn't qualify and they took a backward step. God knows what the likes of Sam Allardyce be doing at, the, at that time. Like, but if they bought in someone like that, that would revert back to the negative old school style of football that not only fans but media personality have become sick of seeing. That, that, I'd, I'd hate to see that. So I hope we do stick to a blueprint of what Stephen Kenny has set out, regardless of if we get to you over twenty twenty four or not. Yeah, Neil, is, is, that's a good point. I mean, when someone else does come in, do they need to be playing that similar start of football? They've, they, we've been trying to bring it up through all the younger ages. We've been trying to bring it up uh, through the 21s with Stephen Kenny and, and, and now again. Um, and with the senior team, is that blueprint important to keep? Um. Yeah, I mean, like, let's be honest. And because just, 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 just before I sorry, I know I'm interrupting you here, but because if you listen to other people, other pros, they're talking about well, you know, Richard Dunn and stuff. Well, well, you know, sometimes we're, we're good at knocking the ball long and getting it into the corners and stuff. They're still thinking in that mindset. Yeah, look, I, I don't think. Well, I, I, I don't want to speak on behalf of everybody, but nobody wants to go back, you know, into the Aviva Stadium and watch this goal kick. You know, the Darren Randolph. 90 yard ball in anyone's direction, Shane Long chasing down just deadbeat balls, not getting on the you know, not getting on the ball, not creating, not passing, not moving. Now, there's two narratives here for me. Number one, yeah, definitely, I want another manager if he does come in to play in the same vein and come up with his own ways of breaking teams down. I do like you got to understand as well, and even the game last night. We're still dangerous from the way the old-fashioned corners, set pieces, that type of thing. Don't move away from that. I just don't want to see the 90-yard hoofball being played. But I don't want a narrative either that, you know, Stephen Kenny is here. He's bringing a different version of football. He has brought a different version of football than we've seen from previous managers. But there are more managers of his ilk out there that hopefully, if he doesn't make it, can maybe get us over the line. So you you should always be looking one man in the future who's coming in after the next guy. And I would hope, same with Nathan there, is that they are looking, regardless of the next campaign, give him his chance. If it works out, great. If it doesn't, let's move on to the next guy that isn't too dissimilar and not changing the whole setup because then you would definitely feel you've gone back a few steps. Yeah. Dave, what's missing from the Ireland team that we're not getting those results? We're close to them. But we're not getting them. Yeah, I think just uh, off the cuff from last night, because you get to see a bit more of the play uh, compared to when you're on TV. I just think 
there's still one or two things to iron out. I think the wing backs, um, I noticed now one of them may be because he's only back in the door, Brady. I thought he should have been five or ten yards further forward. He kept facing towards the back line, so anytime he got the ball, he kept going backwards. The whole point of wing backs is to be a bit more attack minded to link up that. But I just think the midfield three just need to iron out a little bit more as well because I think near the certainly in the last 20 minutes of the game, maybe it was down to legs or whatever, but I just thought it got very disjointed and the link between the back line to the forward line kind of went missing. And you've seen, obviously, and obviously Kenny made a point where Collins start overlapping and he said we started to lose our heads a little bit. Um, I just think that midfield three, it's going to be hard because you can't just go and buy a player. So you just need to try and find the consistent three who can kind of do it where they can link up both the defence and attack so that when we are playing the better sides, we can be a good defensive shield. While we looked a little bit open, like that first goal, it was two passes from back line to forward line. It was one pass that went straight through the midfield into a forward forward put it out to the right and then go it was a little bit too easy because obviously they probably got comfortable two nil up and as he said we started chasing a tour goal seven halves overlapping we lost our heads a bit we just maybe need a cool head in there to kind of start steadying the ship and let's what we have we hold because two nil there'd be very little debate about that tonight it'd be a job well done professional win onto the campaign and we'll see what happens but the fact that we were still a bit open a little bit pushing for a tour goal maybe trying to over impress so I just think our midfield just needs to be a little bit better in both aspects of the game. Because going forward, I think we're okay. But I just feel that shield, that wasn't it. It was just far too easy. Yeah. For that and and does, again, Nathan, does, does Stephen Kenny have to take some responsibility for that? Because he did bring in Conor Hurahan for Malumbi. And we understood why. But Conor Hurahan is someone who likes to drift forward, who, someone who likes to get out wide and whip crosses in. He's not going to sit in front of that back four. So now all of a sudden, then there's there's a huge gap there. As Dave said, Nathan Collins was doing nearly back heels on the edge of the box and stuff. Yeah. You know, they, they had lost their kind of shape and they were getting overconfident. The question, I suppose, is did Stephen Kenny get his selections right over the two games and his game management right? I thought he did over the Scotland game, Roy. Um, on last week's the podcast, me and you pretty much broke down the starting 11. We predicted starting 11 and... It was really spot on, wasn't it, in terms of what we expected, what we wanted. I hope to see the likes of Hendrick and Horahan just beat us run in the Ireland team now with the Nations League campaign being over. If you're looking at the 20, I always go on at the 21. It's got to see a lot of them this year. Um, I think the likes of Will Smallbone is, is ready there. He's on loan now with Stoke City and playing regular football. I've been impressed by Connor Coventry, someone that can play in that deep line defensive midfield. The only problem is he's 22. He's still at West Ham, not getting any, any sort of game time whatsoever there so you can't really justify putting him into the into the, the, the senior Ireland team uh, as a regular starter I think if you're looking at looking like a lot of the goals that Ireland conceded over the Scotland and the Armenia game did come out of mistakes so I think it's hard to sort of blame Kenny on that one like for me the the, the fourth goal against Scotland you're literally tearing your hair at watching that around you uh, the cross in like Matt Doherty turning his back on the cross simple mistakes being made Jack Hendry having a free header so Things like that you can't really blame uh, Kenny on. But yeah, I will look at some of the older lads in the midfield. I still don't understand how the likes of Jeff Hendricks is getting into that squad, slitting on into the starting 11. Yeah. Neil, do you want to add to that? Yeah, I, I just think I'll echo something that Dave kind of said there was that Robbie Brady maybe played a couple. He hasn't been in the squad too much, but it was like he was on the pitch maybe a little bit too long. I wasn't really impressed with Troy Parra. I think his movement was really good, but we'd never seemed to get him into the game. Whereas when Femi get on the ball, the place, it was an element of electricity when he got on it. Everything speed up 
about 10 times. He just looked like he was flying around the field. And even Abafemi, when he lost possession, he won it back several times really, really quick. So he had a kind of a keen set of heels on him. So if you're looking at what we can improve and what we're lacking, I think we need a more dominant centre forward that's going to maybe score us more regular. And I don't know... It might be unfair on Troy Parter, but maybe it, it's a tournament too far for him, as in he needs another tournament to get through to develop him as a player. Or will he develop into that player? But another attacking presence for me, definitely. And as you're saying there, when Malumbi went off, you need a number a number six to settle the game down, stamp his authority on the midfield and just play out the game. Like it was going brilliantly for 60 minutes and then you know, almost boringly into winning that game. So that's a little bit of a, a feather in their cap they'll need. Hopefully they learn the lesson. The next time that they have their, their foot on the team's neck, don't let it up. Just see out the game professionally, albeit boringly. Yeah. Dave, which players stood out for you, good, bad or indifferent? Uh, last night, um, yeah, Obafemi obviously was the obvious one, without a shadow of a doubt. And the I same like, against I, Scotland. He was electric again yeah, against Scotland, wasn't yeah, he? Like, yeah, like, look, he's getting all the plaudits and deservedly so. I liked what Cullen did on Saturday alongside Malumbi. There was a, that little bit of bite and a little bit like what Neil said there. It should have been a like-for-like like sub instead of bringing on somebody, I, I can't even say it, creative because he's not. Heron, I'll leave it at that. I just, I can't, like, you were there, Neil. He tried to do a crossfield ball two or three times and they were 15, 20 yards in the air too high. And it was obvious they were going to be cut out because they were so slow. And then when he fluffed his lines for the goal, it's like, Jesus Christ, like, you know, enough's enough. And he has to go back down to the championship to kind of be relevant again. That says it all. Like, you know, um, like Kenny, I suppose this is where you have to be a bit rootless. Although he probably feels like he has to bring in some of these and not overdo the, the kids kind of thing. And obviously with the under 21 still on, it'll be interesting to see now with that campaign over, will one or two of them come in? The likes of, as um, Nathan said, small bone of Coventry. But I suppose anyone else, it was one of them games where a lot of people were sevens but didn't jump out and stick out last night. It was going nicely, but then one or two kind of lost their heads, like Darty, you know, when the whistle blew, he thought he blew up. Remember with that free kick at the end, Neil, and he, everyone stopped, and everyone goes absolutely nuts at him. And uh, it was obvious that the ref was like, they were. there was a bit of tired legs and a bit of thinking, I think, to the week, weekend for some of the players near the end. So just a lack of concentration and focus was very. And Darty hasn't been playing, Dave. You know he hasn't yeah, been playing yeah. so for sports. Dead on his feet. It's the same know, at the weekend, like yeah. Nathan was saying. Like, was it Stephen Kenny's fault or was it Darty's fault? Maybe Steve, Stephen Kenny needed to be looking at Darty in that yeah. game and going, "Well, do you know what? I don't know if I'm going to get the full ninety out of this." Can I be a bit critical of Kenny? He five subs. Yeah. He five subs. Why couldn't Coleman yeah. come on? Especially Is Coleman that bad yeah. nowadays? No, he's not. And can he last twenty minutes? Absolutely. He's five subs, and whatever about Saturday, I can't really remember too much about Saturday at this stage without looking at the thing. But his subs last night, some of them were scratching my head. I was like, like a bit like what we said, Huron from Columbia is not like for like. And obviously, Doherty probably looked a bit tired, a bit dead. And Obafemi like, coming off. Obafemi comes off, and in, in, and then, like, you know, that's where you five subs, it shouldn't, like, if I know our squad isn't full of talent, but like, there is a couple of like for like to keep things fresh and to keep things. Um, like, you know, like when you think that five subs is massive now, there's no reason why we can't finish off strong, get rid of, like, you can make two or three tactical substitutions and you can make two or three fresh uh, substitutions where you're just keeping a fresher and keeping, like, fi finishing as strong as you start. And that's where he lacked last night. And because of that, I think that's what unfortunately helped get them back in the game, not just um, a, a couple of minutes of madness. 
Even yeah. even when they came back from the two goal deficit, we were dead. We looked shell shocked. Mm. You know, there was a couple of balls went wayward across. I think it was O'Shea played one into the stand. We just lost our composure. Yeah. Maybe that was the time for him to go right. I'm going to put two or three of them on here now at once. Slow the game down, restart, and try inject some energy. Because you know when you're winning the game two nil, and all of a sudden you find yourself two all. Generally, the team that comes from behind wins that game or, or finishes strong. Well, even Neil, you must have felt it. I mean, I felt it at home. It was like we were in a daze. It was like, how oh, yeah. did that happen? Where did that come from? Hold on we a were, second. We were so relaxed and composed. It was like we were caught cold and it felt like, yeah. And remember, they whiz one not far off the by, post. By the post, yeah. Yeah, and that's where you were like, Jesus, I don't think we're coming back out of this. And then once or twice when we were kind of attacking, all of a sudden there was no one in the box and you're kind of going, Jesus, they've lost their heads. This is this is going to be a disaster, and I could already see the headlines. But obviously, we got a bit of luck, and deservedly so, in the last minute. Nathan, sum up Stephen Kenny as Ireland manager so far. Good luck, Nathan. Yeah, thanks. Leading <laughs> the, the big one there. I think it definitely has been the sense, hasn't it? Of uh, obviously the word transition has been thrown around a lot. One step forward, two step back is probably another one that probably. The two series of game we just seen there sums it up well, you know. Where, like I said earlier on the Saturday, not the performance, not the performance that you might want to see, but not the result. And then the Armenia game, it's the complete, the, uh, the, the opposite, you know. It's the result that you want. And while you can't justify being that comfortable against a side to the standard of Armenia, you know, um, we've seen it in the past, we're having a terrible result against the likes of Gibraltar, beating them 1 0, and just about beating Georgia 1 0. So yeah, it's it's sort of what you want, Devil. Like I said, I I'm not going to change my tune at all in terms of wanting Kenny to leave the job uh, anytime sooner than in Euro 2024. But yeah, I think the, the word transition will sum up uh, Stephen so far. But it's been a long transition because he's in the bleeding job two years now. So yeah, well, yeah. if you look at if you look at Mick McCarthy, it took him six years before he got to a World Cup and qualify. He had four or two campaigns where he had to try and change that team around after Big Jack. So, Dave, how would you sum up Stephen Kenny so far? Yeah, potentially a little bit of what it might have been as well, because I think we have to be very realistic in exactly what you said there about Mick McCarthy. Like the first year or two, he kept getting three or four omissions from COVID and other bits and pieces. Like it was very stop start for the first half. I suppose the second half, there's been a little bit more consistency in terms mm. of his selection. And you're slowly but surely seeing it. But however, there's still a bit of room to manoeuvre without a doubt. And just little tiny things, it could have been, a, it, like we could be talking in a hell of a lot different way, but it's very much in the middle and on the fence for it to go right or wrong for him at the minute. He's right smack bang in the middle and it's going to go one way or the other with a bit of luck and obviously one or two guys clicking, playing consistently week in, week out because that's just as important as their form for, for Ireland, especially for us, because we need guys playing regularly week in, week out. There's a big difference with guys who are match fit and not match fit. So hopefully their they're, they're, they're professional, like their club careers can be just as successful for the next year or two. But a little bit of what might have been, but however, I think it's still firmly within his hands and, and that, that squad's hands to do a decent job um, and get a little bit of rub of the green in the draw. And, and the, the top two, we have a cracking chance to try and do it the easy way for a change. Yeah, Neil. Same question, but if you're Stephen Kenny, you know the pressure's on in the next tournament because you have to get the results. So, what does he do to make sure that he does get the results? He's talked about younger players. He's talking about you know he picks the team, so them younger players are in there because he he's picking them. So, what 
does he sit down and look at to make sure that he gets results? He's just going to have to stick to the routine that he's doing, Roy. And I mean, <clears throat> he's bringing through these young lads. He's going to have to trust them, maybe be a little bit more bold. I think we're, we're all kind of hitting on, you know, the retiring the one or two that have been hanging around too long and maybe their day is finished now, the likes of Horan and that. So maybe he needs to be bold. Maybe he needs to be brave, move on, but he needs to, you know, clear out that little one or two. And then he needs to find one or two small solutions for when maybe his first 11 isn't there. He's going to have to make them be a bit more dogged, maybe a little bit more street smart based on last night when you're winning a game, finish out that game. International football is absolutely ruthless. You know, he's been like Lazarus, Stephen Kenny. Every time you think he's dead and he's gone, he comes back to life. So I don't think he has many of them moments left in him. You know, the next campaign is coming very, very quick. We get our draw. We find out who we're up against. He's going to have to come out of the traps because worst case scenario, if he's one or two losses after one or two games, he'll be gone straight away. So he needs to start on the front foot you know, come out of traps like someone stolen something from him. And I'm sure he'll know that, that this is basically his big chance now. And listen, we all wish him all the best. You know, I don't want to be sitting here in six months' time saying our campaign is finished and we're knackered and we're already out. So I think they're well, well aware of what this has been building to. He's had his chances. You know, he's told us it's a building project, but now it's time to deliver for him. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, listen. We all know we're all. I think it, if we if we summarize it, there's better football. It's more entertaining. Um, you can see the progress with of the younger players. Uh, I think you just need uh, Stephen Kenny to progress and the players to progress at a quicker speed. So Euro twenty twenty four is just around the corner, and and we have to get them results. So for his sake and everyone's sake, uh, it needs to come quick. Now, when you look at the Euro twenty twenty four. Uh, draw which is on the 9th of October um, you've all seen the, the, the pots and the groups have you yeah. Um, yeah. what are we looking for in, in these groups do you think What's, what, what sort of teams uh, there's actually a, a, a pot called the UNL pot do you anyone know what that is Nations League no UEFA Nations yeah, League yeah maybe that's what it is Croatia Netherlands Italy Spain oh, they're in the top four so yeah I don't know what that means uh, that Okay, I so thought, I need, I it, it, it must. It must still getting it, the heads around the nations league. Like it must be, well. yeah, it must be just something to do with they're still in pot one anyhow, whatever. Anyhow, so there, there is Croatia, Netherlands, Italy, Spain, Belgium, Denmark, Poland, Hungary, Portugal, and Switzerland. Dave, who would you want out of that? Oh, pot one, pot one. I kind of almost want one of the good ones because Ireland will perform. I'd rather like maybe somebody fairly decent than hungry because all of a sudden, oh, this is a handy draw. And then we lose to them twice. And he's, he's useless. He's got to go while we play a Holland, Portugal, Spain, Italy. Look at what we did against Portugal in the last group. We gave him a bit of a fright, a bit of a scare, and we might get the point we deserve because more than likely we'll probably get a point, maybe two at best against these teams. So I'd rather be against one of the really good guys and maybe whatever, while the likes of a hungry or maybe even a Switzerland the pressure will be on us a little bit more than what it needs to be. So I don't really, I don't mind who we get in pot one. Pot two, that's when you want to be a bit lucky. You want to get somebody remotely on your level. I think Wales are on the downslope. I'd gladly take them. I think, uh, I'm not saying we'll beat them, but I'd gladly take them. Maybe Finland and Bosnia. Tough uh, teams in there, Dave, because you've got absolutely. the likes of France, obviously oh, England. Yeah. Part of a pot. You know, yeah. there's some... That's, that's Yes, yes Ser Serbia are dangerous now as well. You know, they've yeah. improved a lot even since we've played them. So, 
Neil, I'd be looking uh, for me. I'd be looking at Hungary in the in the first part, not because listen, they've, they've done very well in their in their Nations League, but I just think that they're a team that we could get something out of. Um, it, it part two, like Dave's saying, uh, Finland, Scotland, Serbia, Czech Republic, France, Austria, Wales, Israel, England, and Bosnia. Who do you fancy there? It's a horror. I tell you, the second part will give me nightmares, right? If we avoid France and England, I don't really care after that. Uh, Wales, I think we'd be more than surely Gareth Bale is hanging up his bloody lazy boots after this campaign. It's, uh, you know, he's the talisman. But yeah, Wales would be a good draw for us, Roy. You know, Bosnia, you never know what you're going to get. Serbia. But to be honest with you, once you avoid the top two, you'd kind of rest your hat on any of them. You know we're going to get Denmark and Wales again. Uh, probably, no, yeah. Probably. Well, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of going for Hungary and Finland. That'd be nice. Um, not, not. That I'm saying that we're going to walk them off the park either, you know. But you know, you have to uh, edge your bet. Uh, Georgia, Greece, Kazakhstan, Luxembourg, Turkey, Azerbaijan, Faroe Islands, Bulgaria, Kosovo, North Macedonia. Nathan, it doesn't really matter, does it? No, no, it doesn't really. Maybe avoid Turkey. Can be a bit of a nightmare away, away game at times. Fair of violence. Yeah. A bit of a bit of a the the fair of violence. The Brian Kerr derby. Stick with that. North, 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 North Macedonia. Did they not upset Italy? They did. They did indeed. Yeah. So you're kind of looking at who there then. I mean, yeah. Faroe Islands can be tricky enough. Georgia is a trip. Greece is a trip, and uh, decent enough. Kazakhstan. Let's yeah. Let's go at Luxembourg again. Let's go at Luxembourg again. Right, we're picking Luxembourg there. Pop <laughs> yeah. uh, five, Belarus, Estonia, Gibraltar, Latvia, blah, 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 Northern Ireland. Uh, I think you're really going for Gibraltar there or something <laughs> like that, aren't you? <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, it's, it'll be an interesting draw one way or the other. If, uh, listen, the likelihood is you're going to get a big team. Um, somewhere along there. Uh, the worst case scenario, you're looking at something like Netherlands, France, or something like that as the as the first two, and you really don't want that. So, uh, it, yeah, it'll be interesting. Nathan, let's go on to uh, the under twenty ones because unfortunately this week our under twenty ones lost out on a place to the Euros on penalties to Israel. Yeah. It was simply heartbreaking, really, wasn't it? It was, yeah. Um, picked up a, a decent one all draw in the uh, the fourth leg in Tallah Stadium. Uh, held out the whole way, like I said, to go to penalty shootouts, and obviously got mentioned to lose any game of penalties. But the the manner of the penalties themselves, Roy, you've gotten beaten three one. Some of the penalties for Ireland were absolutely terrible uh, yeah. on the night when you see it. it Helped that Israel had a young pit of checking goal. Your man was about seven foot five. <laughs> that that definitely did help them compared to like we have Brian Maher, who Brian's an excellent goalkeeper doing brilliant at Derry City now this season. But he, he will be on, on the smaller uh, scale. But looking at the game as a whole, you know, like Israel's done a serious depression in the first 45 minutes. Ireland more so kept their shape well than anything else. Um, I thought the back tight looks at Leo Connor and like to very boys here with a pass jump on me now. But I thought Joe Redmond was excellent over two games uh, at centre half. But towards the last 20 minutes, I actually thought Ireland really were doing the most pushing and looked the more dangerous, more likely to get a goal. I think the least said about extra time the better. It was literally played at a walking distance. Alan Carley said the best on commentary. The only thing that happened in extra time was extra time itself. Yeah. Was that. There, was, there was nothing much to really go off. But yeah, unbelievably disappointing to go out the way that they did. Um, again, looking at standard players in the night, I know I mentioned uh, like Joe Redmond. I thought Andy Lyons, another lad that represented the League of Ireland, Brintley, 
as a left wing back, uh, Jim took him off. I actually thought that was the real sticking point when Jim did take him off. The poor uh, Tyreek uh, Roy, uh, left wing back, who was from Brilliant for Ireland early on in the campaigns, part of a couple of really important goals, but just doesn't have that sort of defensive capabilities. And it did show we got caught a lot uh, out of position and a couple of steps behind. So that was the danger points there that Israel had. But yeah, it, it all really comes from nothing. Like we said, boy future. A lot of the lads there, uh, really impressive. James, James done an absolutely excellent job, especially when you look at the under 21s for the longest past decade plus. They haven't even been competitive in this group. So the CEO not only be competitive in a group, find themselves in um, a player position for the first ever uh, potential European Championship appearance. It does says a lot. Hoping now we can make the next big step. Like we've seen with the women's, we're talking about the, the evolution of the women's side and to see them now get into a playoff and to see them hopefully get into a major tournament. We're going to have to see that now. With, with the, the thing is, Nathan, they're going to change this team yeah, and it's not going to be the yeah. same team. And that's the way yeah. it does be with the under 21s. And Dave, there's going to be a few of those players moving on. Which could, do you think, which players could move into this Irish first team and actually, um, actually maybe push for places, uh, but definitely get into the squad? Um, I think quick enough. I think who we've already said possibly in the likes of Connor Coventry and Will Smallbone. Obviously, Smallbone had a very good summer. He was very quiet on Friday night. I was in at the match in Salah. Obviously, I was going into the game last night, so I missed it. But uh, he was exceptionally quiet considering a lot of people would have remembered him from the from the summer and would have expected a bit more from him. Um, uh, Connor Coventry seemed to run the show in the midfield on Friday night, and I was quite impressed with him. He looked quite mature in what he was doing. So considering what I think we're lacking, it'd be nice to see potentially them two, providing they can kind of, obviously Coventry more so than Smallbone. Smallbone's in and out at the minute anyway, which is fine, but uh, Coventry obviously is, is not getting into the to the West Ham setup. There's one or two other potentials, but at the same time, Conley, Conley looked lively, but it is a step down and maybe there was a bit more of a confidence because of the fact that he was playing against who he would maybe see as below. Um, he's saying the right things, that he's falling in love with the game again, so you never know. Um but we'll wait and see. I'll reserve judgment. I like a lot of our joy came on the left, ironically enough, with Wright and Conley uh, on on Friday. But it was more on the the attacking side because obviously defensive. Like I, I agree with him. I thought he was quite weak. However, when I was looking at the right hand side, I thought Leo Connor uh, was a bit negative. I was kind of like, come on, keep pushing. There was no overlapping, and everything was on the left. And I was like, come on, you need to balance it out. There was once or twice where he just was kind of afraid to go beyond the halfway line. So I would say them two immediately. I think others just need to kind of establish themselves more in their kind of home clubs for now and then slowly but surely move up. Andy Lyons obviously is on the move after the European campaign with Rovers would be interesting to see because he's on a great trajectory and hopefully that continues when he goes uh, over, over to, is it Blackpool? Apologies if I kind of Blackpool, got that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So with a bit of luck, we'll, we'll, we'll see more out of him. Um, so potentially he might come in because obviously left wing back, there's a bit of room because obviously it's McLean and Brady um, mm. who I think is kind of impressed and taking a bit of an edge off and I think Kenny has managed to get a bit of a stranglehold on him and he's not quite of, as much of a loose cannon um, there's 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 a bit of room to manoeuvre there because obviously Andy Stevens has been struggling so um, maybe the likes of Andy Lyons can slip in as well providing um, he hits the ground running when he goes across in, in the new year so maybe them three will be me top three for now with one or two fingers crossed start showing some domestic form that they might be able to force their way in Neil, it's a hugely important for any of these players if they want to go on and push on and to make um, a career, first of all, but want to make it to the, the Irish senior setup. 
that they need to be playing consistently for their clubs and if they're not they need to move on and get game time somewhere whether that's on loan or on a permanent move yeah and just uh, literally just thinking the same thing with the boys there saying you know if you're not getting if you're in the West Ham team there's obviously something about you if you're in the panel but it's not the same if you're not playing week in week out you know and I mean that goes for any player in any position so especially when you're that young don't get me wrong, the glamour of the Premier League, maybe the wages of the Premier League and all that, but they still need to be playing. And if you look at most of the bulk of our squad now under Kenny, they're lads that have come from the lower divisions. They've brought their way up and they've established themselves. So we just don't have that kind of talent playing in the first team in the Premier League anymore. But it just makes it all the more vital that when you have that talent and you have that age on your side, that you're getting it when you're getting as many games under your belt as you possibly can. Absolutely. Okay, Nathan, I'm going to leave it with you to talk about the rest of the Irish football over the weekend uh, you've got probably a minute and a half or so <laughs> right I'm going to speak through this uh, underage uh, the under 19s began their Euro 2020, 2023 um, qualification campaign for the tournament in Malta next summer uh, they had three games in the space of a week uh, brilliant three wins uh, no goals conceded starting off the six minute will uh, against Gibraltar uh, Marco Matney plays for Cork City he got a hat-trick in the night uh, then we followed up with a 2-0 win against Wales uh, two goals in the final three minutes was enough to see uh, three points for Ireland and then we finished up uh, with a 1-0 win against Hungary uh, Tommy Longren from UCD on the score told sheet you, told Tommy, you we want Hungary been doing, been doing absolutely <laughs> brilliant so that's Ireland top of the group uh, after a perfect three games uh, qualify now for the elite Rule of the qualification, so obviously we keep us updated with how the under-19s are getting on. And then to finish up, the under-17s men's had uh, two friendlies away to Holland. Uh, started off with a one-all draw, uh, a Luke Cahir 90-minute free kick. Luke plays for Pats, uh, the under-19s was enough to get a one-all draw. Unfortunately, couldn't follow up, we were beating 3-0 in the second game. And then finally, how long do I have left, Roy? Still have about a minute. 20 right? seconds, hurry up. 20 seconds, right? Oh, sweating. Uh, the under-19s women's side also had two friendlies away to Portugal. They finished up nil all and unfortunately beaten once again 3 nil. So, brilliant. Uh, finish up, yeah. Brilliant for the under-19s men's to top their group, but the rest... Only friendlies. Don't worry about it, guys. It's all right. <laughs> no more okay. Pats players playing in any of them games, no? You get the yeah. Full of Pats, full. There's not a person in, in Intercore left. Pats are playing this killed. weekend. That's, if, you, if you're interested, Neil, yeah, Nathan will bring you out for a point. Um, okay, we're going to leave it there. Dave, Nathan and Neil, thanks very much uh, for your time. Of course, we'll be back. There's a Autumn Internationals, if you want to call them Autumn Internationals. It's, who is it? It's big man, uh, Norway... Norway and Malta, isn't that right? Malta's away from home, so we won't be going to see that. Although we really should go and see that. That would be uh, an interesting trip, wouldn't it? We're going to have to get 19 euros next year in Malta. We're going to have to get a trip away, lads. We're going to have to get a trip away. This is uh, an away game. The Malta game is also on the day that the World Cup starts, so nobody's going to Malta. Man, Mickey Mouse tournament. They will. Did you not see the the opening games? Rubbish. No one's going to be watching that. Okay, thanks very much, uh, and thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week.